my voice this morning, um, but uh, I've kind of lost my voice um, over the last couple of months, and um, so. Uh, but um, it's good to be back. Uh, as all of you know that my dad passed away this uh, this week, and remember mom and and the whole family um, uh, in prayer and. Uh, uh, does anyone have any any prayer requests? I, I, there's a whole lot of sick sickness in the church, and um, we just need to um, pray for all of those that are are sick and, and having a hard time yeah. um, getting uh, well. Um, does anyone have a prayer request? Brother Bo, I want to thank everybody for praying for me Thursday when I had surgery and keep praying that the outcome will be good. Brother Bo, I've got a little list here of the ones that I know of that are sick. <laughs> some, I'm sure there's some sick that I don't know about. So Brother Wayne and uh, Kenneth and Maggie. Uh, Kenneth's got COVID, Brother Wayne's got COVID. Uh, Sister Glenda Ayers called and she's sick. And of course, Brother Michael uh, is sick. And uh, Bobby and Jess are sick. And Glenda is. So um, that's just a few, probably, of the ones that are sick. But, yeah. Uh, let's, let, let's pray. This stuff's going around and all different, all different variances of. of viruses and all and, uh, but I'm glad that we're here today Amen. I really am I want us just to worship the Lord in spirit and truth and let's let's just lift up Jesus as high as we can lift someone else well, there's a family out kind of in your community that uh, lost their business a couple nights ago um, RJ and our garage out there and I know there's two families that depend on that for their livelihood and burned the Season, Lord, and we just pray that you be with them. 
Help those with sickness get over it. Be with them in your healing hands. Lord, be with us. And those of us that can't be here as we cross into the new year, Lord, that we might just follow your example, Lord, that set forth for us and just to grow closer to you. We thank you, Lord, for the many blessings you've given us, Lord, and we just pray in your holy person. Amen. Uh, let's do one more and then we'll uh, go to our classes. Um, let's do 318.
out. We'll take our classes at this time. church um, as a member 50 years or better and as a visitor a couple two or three years before that and um, there was always a patriarch in this church he wasn't when I was a young man there were men older than him but through the years uh, brother Robert became the patriarch of this church and the first Sunday that he's not available to ask a question or there's been times when I've been called up here to the cemetery to uh, assist with locating the grave or something like that and uh, I would call him and say do you know of anything going on right here and describe the place and he goes no that's good and in one particular time um, the grave was being dug over here and, uh, and the bucket hit a flat concrete surface and you know, he kind of scraped on it a little bit and he said, that's a, a structure there. You think it's a vault? And I said, well, it's not supposed to be. Let me call Brother Rock. And I called him and uh, he said, no, it's not, a, it's not a vault. He said, it's, uh, it's a slab where the old uh, outhouse used to be. <laughs> and it had gotten buried about a foot deep uh, through the years. And, so, you know, that relieved me and the guy in the bucket truck, too, or the, and the, the digger, too. But things like that, uh, we always had him, and he was always available. And uh, I thought back, I guess it's time to reflect a little bit at the end of the year, and I, I thought back when uh, Ben and Angie were little, and that was, you know, 40 years ago or so. And uh, the people we had here, we had... Uh, Brother Robert, we had Brother JT, and we had uh, a lot of men. We had Bobby as a young man, and, and Michael, and me, and Bo. And, and uh, the preacher did a message one time uh, about uh, standing the hedge. Standing the hedge. And I thought about our kids, all our little kids, babies up to this tall. And I said, you put them all right there. And let those men stand around them, shoulder to shoulder, facing out. Nobody gonna bother those kids. That was a fearsome looking bunch to me, that young man. And a lot of those have gone on. Uh, a lot of us that were young have gotten older. And, and not as strong as we used to be, but the, we've got new ones in now. They're just as strong as we were when we were young, just as powerful physically as we were when we were young. And, uh, kids that are here in that circle would still be protected. Right? Protected. 
And uh, I just thought about that this morning. And, uh, Roger, before you get started with a lesson, uh, there's a story about Brother Robert that I'd like to share. Um, Earl, my brother Earl, uh, came up here from Florida one time, and he rode his motorcycle up here. So every time Earl uh, had come home, he would always uh, visit <coughs> mom, and, mom and dad. And um, so this particular time, he rode up here on his motorcycle. Of course, he had his helmet on and his stuff. And uh, Robert had seen him on the, the video. And uh, so, uh, and Earl didn't know that there was cameras out there. And uh, so he was, he was there. And he said it wasn't long uh, till uh, Robert drove up. And Roger Earl uh, recognized him immediately. He knew it was uh, it was Robert. And uh, uh, Robert came on down and, uh, to check him out to see what he was doing in the cemetery. And uh, so uh, Earl told him who he was. Uh, but uh, Brother Robert, he was uh, protecting the church property even then. Yeah. No matter what his age was, because he was up older then, he was still going to come and check and make sure everything around his church was taken care of. And I appreciate him and and Nell. Uh, I appreciate Robert and love him and uh, will always remember uh, what a fine and faithful Man, he was. You know, before we had automatic thermostats and things, you'd come into the church and it was always warm or it was always cool, whatever the case. So you brother Robert had been over here, you know, early in the morning to just set whatever needed to be set, uh, so it would be comfortable when the people came in. Now that's stuff that that you can't forget. Um, at the time it's going on, sometimes you, act, you you may not even think about it, may not notice it too much, but it's important. <clears throat> that we've had things like that to to make it a stable place and a, and a, a comfortable place and, um, and like she said, if anything needed to be done, he was around here doing it. And so that's uh, you know that's the kind of man he was, and I'll always remember him um, as one of the um, one of the men in my life. I lost my dad, who was the man in my life until then. I lost him when I was. 24, dad was 51, but I always had men at the church that I could lean on. That uh, if I needed advice, they'd give me advice, and they wouldn't they wouldn't lead me astray. I'll put it that way. They would lead me in the best direction that they could, and <coughs> um, that was just the way it was. And it was him and a lot of others, but. Uh, Bud was another one. Bud was another one. Mm -hmm. A lot of men, a lot of men. But uh, anyway, um, Brother Chris called me yesterday. It was yesterday, and, and uh, we were over at uh, Elizabeth and Adams, and he told me that uh, with all the secrets in the church, and, and that um, Brother Michael wasn't going to be here, and 
you know, him doing the singing and, and, and music and playing and everything asked me what I uh, tried to stand here. And I said, well, I, I try. Um, you, you know, um, I think here we've got the very best teacher and we've got the best assistant teacher that I've ever seen. Uh, when when Michael's not here and, and Chris is still, I've just enjoyed your your um, uh, lessons uh, immensely. Also, um, but um, we were we were in uh, Romans, I think the tenth chapter, and um, um, I uh, I got to thinking about that and studying where. Uh, I was told uh, the lesson was began. We, you know, we didn't have it last week, so it's been two weeks ago, and um, that uh, is a little foggy to me at times. But um, anyway, I started studying the lesson, and uh, Elaine had um, she had a, a, a TV preacher on in the background over there, and I was this morning just kind of going back over and reviewing. And as I studied, I kept thinking. Well, I hear Brother Michael saying stuff in this. And then I realized what I was studying was the last thing he had taught, so I really was hearing what he was having to say. And, uh, but it's good anyway. We'll, we'll go back and, and review some of that and maybe, um, maybe uh, try to get to the end of the chapter here. But uh, it was, and I remember Michael telling us that um, about the importance of the preached word of God and how uh, important that was, even though singing's important and testimonies are important and, and, and teachings are important, um, the preached Word of God is very special. And, and he told us about that. Uh, tenth chapter and the ninth verse of uh, Romans, if you'd like to turn, it says, <coughs> that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved it says for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation and um, you know I was um, I was a very bashful kid uh, I didn't like to stand up in front of anybody I didn't like to I didn't like to have a speaking part in the Christmas play, but I always did. And uh, I still remember some of those to this day, some of those parts I memorized as an eight-year-old because I was so terrified I was going to forget them. I put them into a place in my brain that is seared, apparently. And uh, sometimes during the Christmas story when someone's reading, like you were reading it last Sunday, uh, and I'm reading along, but I don't have to look at the words because I know what they are. I memorized them. 45, 50 years ago, 60 years ago. But um, it's, it, that's the importance to me of coming to Sunday school and, and uh, being part of it is uh, it, uh, it puts things into your heart that will stay there. When I think about the little kids back here in the back, the things they're learning, and sometimes they'll come out and do Bible verses or they'll do little songs and, they, and, and when they're doing it, I look at them and I say, when you're 60 years old, you'll probably still remember that because it was implanted in their lives in a time where uh, they were just absorbing stuff. And it was so easy to learn then 
um, but to me so terrifying. And uh, but the, the the things that we learned very important to us. And and when we reach that point where God touches our hearts, and and we accept that that call uh, to come to Him and to, and to be saved. Um, it says that that uh, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You know, I guess I remember after I was saved, uh, and they would give opportunities for testimonies. And do you remember that heart just fluttering and you wanted to say something? But even as an 18-year-old, you didn't know what to say. And and maybe you maybe you struggled with that for a few services, and all of a sudden one day he just popped up and said, "I love the Lord. I've been yeah. saved." And what a relief it was! Yes. And what a relief! And it became easier and easier as you went on through life to do that. And um, uh, you know, uh, it it gives us strength. And I'm, I know I'm rambling, y'all, but it's it's gonna be okay, I think. Uh, it gives us strength to know as we grow that the things we've learned are not just words and phrases and songs, it's things that we can apply to our life. And uh, the, the special verses that we learn that, that teach us of, uh, of uh, forgiveness and, and how to respond to people, how to help people, uh, that those things will go on with us through life. And uh, this, I was telling you about this preacher that she was listening to, and. Uh, he was talking about when he was a little boy, I think he was eight years old, uh, his father left the family. And, uh, and, and he told this story when he finished. He said, I didn't know that was coming and I probably told way too much. But I needed to do it. And he's 55 or 60 years old, I guess now. But he told about Thanksgiving Day and his mom <coughs> said she was married to her father when his father when she was 16 and at a very young age had four children with three boys and, and our little baby sister he said and he said one Thanksgiving we were going over to my grandparents house to eat they lived up in Kentucky Neil and uh, Neil's from Kentucky originally I think or, or was up there a good part of his life and uh, he said my dad said y'all go on I've got some work I need to do and, um, and he, she said, we typically spent several days at our grandparents' house. But uh, she said, uh, we got there, and the next day, she said, he said, we spent one night. He said, my mom said, it's time for us to go home. Long story short, went home, and their father had abandoned them. And, and he was talking about life knocking you down. He said, he said if you hadn't ever been knocked down, chances are you will. But he said, as a little boy, what do you do with your dad's not there? And he said, uh, Mom didn't have a job, never had work. She had four kids. She couldn't work and never had work. And uh, he said, we couldn't pay for the house. And he said, uh, they started auctioning the house off one Saturday morning. And he said, we were there. He said, I remember this. And they were people bidding on our house and we were going to have to move and we didn't know where and uh, he said uh, his grandfather was in the back he didn't know it his grandfather was bidding on the house 
and he bought it. And he told his mom, he says, the house is yours to live in. So, you know, he said, God take care of us. But he said, we didn't know what was happening and didn't know how uh, we were going to survive. But he said, God's always made a way in our life. And I think he said he was called to preach when he was nine. He gave up the... Uh, gave up to the call when he was 11. So he's, he's out there preaching a while. But anyway, uh, I, I said that to say this, that uh, there's times in our life where we get knocked down. Uh, there were times in Mindy Lane's life with, with three little kids and, and uh, us trying to struggle and get by. And, <coughs> and we made it. We made it. You know, sometimes I didn't know how we were going to make it, but we made it. And, and we came out the other side, and, and our kids are strong and healthy, and uh, they're all productive people, and, and I'm so blessed that that they're there. And now, just think, what would that, what would my life have been like if, at the time I was 17 years old, almost 18, and that knock came on my life? What if I turned it away that one last time? I'd been turning it away a long time. What if I had turned it away the last time and he said, okay, I dealt with you for six, seven years. What if he had left me without coming back again? What would my life be like now? Where would I be standing? If I'm standing, would I be standing? Would life have taken me out some other way? But there's protection in the church is what I'm talking about. Sure. And, and there's help in the church. And, and the church itself is, you know, is not this white building that you see. That This morning it was so bright when I got out of the car, it was hard to look at it. So it was, the sun was on it, it was so bright. But that's not the church, that's the building. Right here's the church. Amen. We've got a, a privilege. A lot of people say it's an obligation or a duty, but it's really a privilege. To go out in the communities and, and uh, to witness and tell people uh, about this church, about these people. And I've heard people come in here and say, uh, when I walked in that door, it just felt like a special place. And it is a special place. So I'm thankful for that. And, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm not sorry I'm rambling. But it's, uh, I, I, last night I was thinking, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? Uh, you, you can't follow Michael Hogan as a teacher. Uh, it's about as devastating, I guess, as the guy that followed Bear Bryant to Alabama. It didn't last too long, you know, up to that standard. But anyway, uh, the uh, you know when life knocks us down, and it was funny because I was going through my Bible study, and I had a bunch of cards. Uh, I, I used note cards sometimes to. To have a thought and I'll lay it out there so I won't forget it. And uh, I had a note card that I was looking at when he was talking about all of that. And it said, uh, A thankful heart. And I've listed some things that might knock us down a little bit, might, might uh, make our day a little bit uh, stressful or whatever. And then on the other side of that card, I listed, But. And it said, not that on one side, and, and but that on the other side. And I said, on, the, on one side it says, 
And I may have done this as a devotion. I don't know why I wrote I, I just don't know why I wrote it down, but I've got it here. This is not that I've got so much to do. Then on the other side it says, but that I still can do something. If we look at it that way. If we hit if we hit a point in our life, it's like, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I'm gonna do something because I can. Uh, not that I have to go to work, but that thank the Lord I can still go to work. Uh, not that I have to mow the grass again, but thank the Lord I have a place to mow. Uh, not that that car is getting old and dirty and worn out, but thank the Lord I have a way to go. Uh, well, it's Sunday morning, and I'm, I sure am tired. I don't feel too good. But thank the Lord for the desire to go to the house of worship. Well, it's time to cook again. Well, thank the Lord I've got a pantry full of food and a refrigerator for the leftovers. That crazy neighbor or co-worker's at it again. And we've all had crazy neighbors or crazy co-workers. Not that that's happening, but what could I do maybe to make their day a little bit better? They wouldn't be that way. Not that I don't feel too good today, but thank the Lord you're still with me and help me as I try to go. That was just a, a card that I found in, in the, sticking in the back of my Bible. And, uh, uh, I just thought I'd present that to us today. Uh, Brother Roger, our uh, family on my dad's side gets together at Thanksgiving and something. We, the oldest member of my dad's uh, brothers was uh, his, his older brother, Edwin. And uh, he, he was a, he's a good guy, he's very ministry-minded, but you said something that triggered something he said one time. He, he, uh, he was trying to help in the kitchen, and he started getting meal with his wife, saying, there's they not room to put nothing in this refrigerator. And then he had to stop and say, well, my goodness, the reason there's not room in this refrigerator is because of the abundance of things that we have. <laughs> and when you mentioned that, that just jumped out at me. I would never forget him, him saying that. Sometimes it's how we look at it, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Not that it's, I don't know what I'm going to do with all this food, but Lord, thank you for this food. Uh, and, uh, you also mentioned about the... Uh, children and being able to remember you know that is so important for our children it is we teach them now because that that is the things that they will remember i can just try and try and try and i you know i can't i can't remember a telephone number somebody give me over the phone if i'm not writing it down i think oh i want to get that i can't even get it dialed back till it's gone right and uh, and that's important. And I tried to encourage uh, Vanessa, Brother Bobby, and Brother Michael as they work with the children on that song for Christmas, The Gift Goes On. Because I knew that, that those children will never forget that. And I proved that by uh, a lady that works in my office, it's about in her mid-40s. 
and uh, and I, I remembered um, when she was a little girl, the age of my children, them singing that program with the song in it, The Gift Goes On. And I asked her, I said, uh, uh, she was little, big girls at that time, and I said, Jay, I want to ask you something. Do you remember that song y'all did that time, The Gift Goes On? And she said, oh, Lord, I'll never forget that. <laughs> And so that it, that's important, and that that time invested in those children is so worthwhile. Well, the the young mind is is um, a very absorbent thing, and, and if it's uh, filled with those kind of things, they won't they won't forget it. And if it's you know, and like this this pastor I was talking about, at his very formative time, he remembered crucial things that were were horrible in his life. He said, I'll never forget those. But he's used to it. He said, and, and when he finished, he said, I, I guess, he said, I didn't even plan on saying that, but um, and I probably said too much, but I needed to say it. And somebody, he said, and somebody out here probably needed to hear it. Yeah. If the Lord pre presented it to him in a way where it needed to be said, then it needed to be heard too. So um, that's... Um, you know that's kind of the way. Uh, that's kind of the way he works. Brother Hunter, um, you mentioned something about the importance of the preached word of God, and uh, I wanted to mention, and I'll, I'll mention this with the stained glass before you. Now, um, I've got a little device here that I've got about oh, I don't know, and not an infinite number, but a ridiculous number of English translations translations of the Bible. And if you go back 600 or so years. We had one printed version of the Bible. And the reason that when Paul's writing about preaching of the Word of God being so important is that was, you know, 13, 1400 years <coughs> before Gutenberg. And so, unless you were wealthy enough to have, you know, scrolls of the Pentateuch, the only way to communicate the Word of God was verbally. That was that was it. You know, so we're so used to thinking in terms of what we are now, we forget that you know everybody was not walking around carrying a, a copy of the Bible, and that that's why the stained glass was so important. We're talking about songs and being able to remember those type of things. Stained glass predated Gutenberg by somewhere in the neighborhood of about three four hundred years, and the first places that that showed up was in windows of church churches doing the same things that are done here, which was to depict different stories that were in the Bible and to reinforce that verbal conveying of the gospel. And and that's, you know, we, I always bring it up because I'm like, you know, preaching the word is important, but we're always taking it from our context of, you know, being able to walk into a church and that's the only way that you can receive God's word. That's not the only way that you can consume the book of Romans right now. There's, you know, you can you can listen to it, you can read it. There's so many different ways, but that was not an option. Then. There was only one option for over 99% of the people, which was to hear it. It hasn't been all that many years either that the Bible itself was not as available as it is now. Um, if I gathered up all the Bibles in our house, there's probably 15 or 20 of them more. 
I remember I do things like I, I was reading one time famous last words that people had said before they died. And one of them was a character, an old, a historical character in our old west. And he was talking about <coughs> a town. And he said, um, it has four saloons and so many dance halls and so many, you know, other establishments and things that were not upstanding establishments. And he says, but I still have hope because I know of two Bibles in that town. He had hope. It seemed like overwhelming odds, but he says, but I still have hope because I know of two Bibles in that town. So, you know, that was back in the 1800s. So the whole town, you only knew of two Bibles in the whole town. They were not real common. Anyone else got anything y'all would like to say? You don't know what time it is. And the scripture goes on to say, verse 11, it says, For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto, uh, unto him, unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's a pretty controversial statement at the time. Because what he was talking about was the Jews and the, and the non-Jews, the Gentiles. And at that time, uh, the, I think the belief was that, that the God was the God of the Jews and everybody else were just kind of outcasts. And when Paul's walking around saying to whosoever will thing, he was raising the ire of, of the, the, the Jews at the time. And, uh, uh, and, and, and he says, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. And, and that was a bold statement. I see controversial. It was a bold statement. That kind of statement could get you in big trouble. And, uh, but it takes boldness. Uh, it had just said up there, that whosoever believes on the name of the Lord should not be ashamed. So, and Paul said, well, I could, that's what I'm thinking, but I better not say it. Or I might get in trouble. Well, that's not showing much boldness. And um, we're blessed in this country. Uh, we can pretty much say and believe uh, everything that we want to that the Scripture brings us. Uh, we can... We can openly profess that without too much fear of retribution. Uh, there, there are some subtle ways that that people are being, uh, um, I guess, isolated now because of their views. Um, but the government's generally not going to come put you in jail or, or or deport you or something for for saying what we believe, and that's a blessing that we have. And uh, uh, I recommend that we be bold in, in, in that belief and, um, and be pertinent in the way that we present that to people. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
And as I said above, when, when we do reach that point where we're saved, then we'll tell somebody. We'll tell somebody. It says, How then shall they call upon him who have they whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom uh, they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Without a preacher. And that was, that was what I was remembering when I was studying that. I was remembering Michael being so specific about the preached word. You know, he said if we have to give up something, if the government did clamp down on us and we have to give up something, he said, I would give up maybe singing, or maybe the opportunity to testify. But he said, I would never give up the preaching hour. Because that's where the power comes from. He said, "All the other stuff's important, and uh, and we all know, you know, if, if if we plant a seed in a child and it and it comes up, the singing and the Sunday school and the teachings all water and make that a healthier growth. Um, but as long as it's up, grow. You know." I'll be quiet this morning. You should be grateful. <laughs> uh, that might scare me. I don't know exactly what she meant by that. Everybody remembers a time, or else you remember hearing somebody tell about a time when they only had a preacher that come maybe two Sundays out of a month, or even only one Sunday a month. And so, it, I think there was such a desire then. People would line the church to get in and hear the word. And now it's, uh, it's people have a place to see it. When I was a kid, we only had preaching on the third Sunday. Uh, we shared uh, a pastor with uh, another church. And, it was a lot, much larger church than ours, so he was there three Sundays and at hours one. And uh, so it was. Uh, uh, Sunday school that. was a vibrant place where I went. Yeah. Sunday school was a vibrant place. I can remember that here, Roger. We shared a pastor with New Prospect. And because I know as a kid, I won't know is it preaching day or not. Yeah. But I had preferred the days that it wasn't. Because <laughs> <laughs> we went home right after Sunday school and started playing. Well, that was, that was me as a kid, you know. It's like, oh, it's the third Sunday. Huh? It means we're not going to get out here at 12 o'clock. But a lot of times we go somewhere else, you know. Campbell's Restaurant's going to be covered up with people before we get there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, the times that we remember are very important to us. And it says, how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of wrapping up one portion of this chapter uh, about the importance of preaching. And, and, and he ends it with just how beautiful a thing it is that a preacher will commit to that and submit and submit to that, I guess, to a, a preacher. Uh, at one degree 
that um, that he dedicates his life to bringing that message. And uh, then he, then it kind of changes a little bit here in the 16th. It says, "But they have not all obeyed the gospel." For Isaiah or Isaiah said, "Lord, who hath believed our report?" And I and I flipped over and I think it's the fifty third chapter of Isaiah and read uh, there, uh, and, and it says, uh, "Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up in a uh, grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of the dry ground." And he hath no form, no comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. And and he's talking about, I think he's talking about, if I'm wrong, y'all correct me, he's talking about the Jews here. Um, the, the, the season we've just gone through and we've uh, seen the images of the babe in the, the manger, uh, very humble beginning, very lowly beginning. And, and that was not what the people were looking for. Uh, they were looking for a king to be to be born and and, and have a comely manner, kind of a uh, drawing appearance, a, a um, um, majestic appearance, so to speak, and to be in a stable area wrapped in swaddling clothes was not their image, so they wouldn't believe. It goes on describing uh, describing much about that over there. I don't guess we have time to go there, but uh, it it was um, interesting to me that you know that um, he goes back to Isaiah there. He says, "So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God." So that goes back to the preaching. We accept what we hear through faith by God's grace to grant us uh, uh, a place to hear it and to see it. We accept that uh, by faith. Um, and verse 18 says, But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. But uh, I say, did not Israel know? First, first Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by foolish nation, by foolish nation I will anger you. But Isaiah, or Isaiah is, is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel, he said, all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto the disobedient and the gainsaying people. So there's a contrast there between um, um, Jesus coming to the world and, and being presented as one available to whosoever will. Uh, that flew in the face of the religious uh, hierarchy at the time. Um, they didn't think their king was going to come for whosoever will. It was coming to, to save the Jewish people. And, um, and, and he said there would be an anger there. There would be a controversy there. And so, uh, so it was. And um, it, 
and, and somewhat still is today, I think. You know, we, we know there are some Jews that have come to the, to the realization of the knowledge and have accepted Jesus, the Christian Jews. That There's a number of those people. But um, when he spoke of, um, uh, in the 21st verse, he says, But Israel, he said, all day long I stretched forth my hands unto the disobedient and gainsaying people. And I looked up what gainsaying meant. I, I, I had read that before, never knew exactly what it was. And uh, in, a, in a biblical sense, the word gainsaying means to declare untrue or to contradict or a rebellious oppression. So as, as Jesus was presented to the Jews, to the gainsaying Jews, there was a there was a uh, a declaration made by them that this is not true, and, and it's uh, they were opposed to it, and so that was the controversy. That was uh, the anger that that he spoke out there, and um, it's um, you, you know I just uh, I, I've always heard that that people rise up against something they fear. So they, it was a rising up against the, the thought that Jesus had come as a king in the humble manner in which that he came. So uh, that was the controversy. That was the, the uprising that was spoken of in, in um, Isaiah. Sure. Hundreds of years before Jesus' birth. Does anyone got anything you'd like to say this morning <coughs> before we uh, turn the service back over? Just hope everybody gets well. <laughs> Back where they're supposed to be. <laughs> Thank you for your, your comments today. I've got a car in the black window. I know also another one laying there, Brother Roger. That, oh, okay. That, if you don't mind. Uh, this part says, I always thank God for you. 1 Corinthians 1 4. Uh, dear church family, words cannot express what you all mean to us. Uh, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. God sends his angels to earth in the form of friends like you. We love you so much and appreciate everything you've done for us. Thank you for the Christmas gift, but most importantly, thank you for your prayers, love, Awesome place. Love and support. We are blessed to be a part of this church family. We love you all so much, Steve and Belinda. And I think I'll speak for the church here. And it's like that love is coming right back to you. We love you all too. Amen. And this, this one says peace, joy, and love. <clears throat> um, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's Luke chapter 2, 14. Wishing you a peace-filled Christmas, blessed with God's joy and love. Thank you all for your kind gift. May, your, uh, may you all have a very Merry Christmas. David and Ann Brooks. Let's from David and Ann. Roger, I just wanted to say thanks to everybody. They helped me out. Your life's too.
God bless you, Brother Ross. It's just what we do, Brother Ross. It's just what we do. Anyone else?